What follows is a story of monsters, madness, and mayhem. I'm Nick. I'm Zach. Welcome to Weird and Feared, a barely educational podcast on global folklore that aims to enlighten, entertain, and expand your world. Hey, what's going on? Yo. How you doing? Better. Oh, yeah, much better now. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Celebrating the, uh, got some bush going on over there. I like that. Bush heavy. It's a good start. It's the, it's, it's a good go-to. It's a good go-to when you're about to get weird and feared. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. You spent a lot of time thinking about time travel? I did. I only mentioned that because I didn't mention it in the episode, but it's worth addressing. That episode exists because of Avengers Endgame. Right, yeah. Time travel heavy. Bush heavy, time travel heavy. Oh, bush heavy, time travel heavy. And I would just like to add the quantum realm. It, we talked about wormholes. Mm-hmm. So that's what they did. They got into. They found a way to get into a wormhole because Tony Stark is amazing. And I love the moment when he just figures out time travel. I, yeah. I figured it out. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So that's uh, just uh, in retrospect, I would have added that to the time travel episode because it's current yeah. and important. Yeah. But um, well, I'm sure what we're about to address this week will be very important. Yeah. Maybe not time travel. No. But um, I will not be giving a story. I believe I will be experiencing a story. Right. Yeah. So yeah, no. what do you uh, what do you got loaded for me in the docket? Uh, we got we got some interesting stuff here. I like how that sounds. It's a uh, pretty cool. It's a pretty <clears throat> wild story. Yes. So I'm just gonna get let's get the it. ball rolling let's here. Start, let's roll that ball. Balls are rolling. In February of 1959, a group was formed in order to go cross country skiing expedition through the Ural Mountains. Okay. It was uh, in what was then the Soviet Union. Oh. But it's Russia. Got it. So, yeah. Uh, a young man named... Go for it. Igor? Igor? I don't know. I think it could be either or. It could go either way. <laughs> <laughs> either or. Yeah. All right. Igor. That's enough. Igor. Yeah. Dyatlov. A 23-year-old uh, student was the leader that assembled a group of eight other students for an epic trek. Okay. The group consisted of all very experienced hikers uh, with cross-country skiing experience, and that's kind of the trek they were going on. Sure. Cross-country skiing journey. This does sound like the beginning of something insane. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the pieces are coming together, even already, just in those few sentences. So once they complete their journey, they would all be receiving uh, their grade three, uh, which at the time the Soviet Union was doing a bunch of stuff encouraging, you know, people not to be super soldiers. Who knows what they want? I mean, that's probably what they wanted. I mean, that's yeah. probably what they like. <clears throat> that's go, what I'm thinking. Go out and test your might. Wink, wink. Yeah. And then we'll you rank can, you. See yeah. if you're actually good. And yeah. then maybe we'll put you into like hmm. KGP. I don't know. Oh, I thought you were going to say into a black Volga. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> they might have done that too. Come here. Yeah. What is that car? Mm-hmm. What is it? What did the Black Volga ask? Just because we're talking about Soviet stuff, was it the time? Is that what it would say to get you oh, over yeah. there? Oh, yeah. Do you have the time? 
Hey, comrade, what is the time? Yeah. Okay. So at the time, this was a really big deal, though, to get this uh, receiving their grade three hiking thing. Uh, it was the highest one available for mm-hmm. the Soviet Union. Okay. So in order to get this, you had to actually uh, hike over 190 miles. Okay. So the route that this group would end up taking here in the month of February was estimated as uh, that grade three, the most difficult. Okay. So. And um, what what year was that again? 1959. Got it. Thank you. So what do you think? Camping, trekking across the country. It's quite an undertaking, right? Yeah, it is. It's exhausting, especially, yeah. I mean, everything involved is, you know, physically um, not easy. A lot of exerting going on. Right, yeah. A lot of moving around, a lot of shaking, a lot of testing your own. Like I said, testing your might, your physical endurance. Mm-hmm. The whole thing's an endurance thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, so, like, to a lot of people, like, camping is, you know, just going to a campsite, hanging out in right. a tent. Pitch a tent more ways than one. Drinking, like, 30 Bush heavies. Enjoy. We're going to get this episode sponsored by Bush. Bush, yeah, Bush heavy. <laughs> I, I'm glad it's called Bush. You're calling it Bush heavy because it is. Yeah, because I like to make sure that people know I'm not drinking Bush light. That's Because they would assume that if you just say Bush. Yeah, no. Why do people assume that? I don't know, man. I'm drinking Bush. This is your own endurance test because you're being a on your way to becoming a goddamn super soldier. Yep. <laughs> Fueled by Bush. This episode brought to you by Bush Heavy. Yeah. What so. if what if you sorry, <laughs> I was just say what if what if by some weird chance you keep calling it Bush Heavy, they get a hold of it and there's like an extreme type can that says like Bush and Heavy underneath it. Oh, that'd be cool. It's like the camo cans. Right. They come yes. out with in the fall. Yes. It would in it would be camo and then an orange letters heavy and like a monster type font. Yeah. All right, well, that's not the, we're not going to talk about that kind of monster tonight. Right. So don't get me wrong, though. I love uh, just tent camping. Right. In general. Exactly. But real camping is carrying everything with you that you need like to survive. Right. Really getting out there in nature. And I really like that, too. I've done that as well. Um, I think I've mentioned it before on here. I've spent I believe so. a good amount of time out in the backwoods doing all that sort of stuff and dudes hanging out yeah you know way out of civilization (laughs) yeah totally pulling your own lewis and clark yeah it's all fun though either way you look at it but when you do go camping like that there's uh i mean even tent camping you know there's an element of danger uh but leaving the the civilized world behind you give up a lot of things that are really taken for granted like phones yeah i mean like especially now like i remember when i was out in the grand tetons my phone would i kept it on like, yeah on me just in, in case you know sure which something bad happens you safe gotta, to do you gotta be it's worth a shot well right and i mean that's when like when those things first got invented you know like phones it was always to keep it in your glove box just use it in a case of emergency right yeah now we look up cat pictures on them i mean it's really the emergency part has really gone away right but uh i mean even I'd be, I was 20, 30 miles out. I don't even know. Sure. And you'd still get a, you'd get to the top of a mountain and then you'd hear your phone go off every once in a while. That's, a, that's funny. Yeah. So who knows how many days old those messages are, but they still send in. Right. But you know, you got that. They didn't have that in 1959, but. No. Warmth, running water, toilets. 
Yeah, not a choice, not an option. Almost immediate assistance outside of who is currently with you. You know? Yeah. We got 911, or we can just go pound on the neighbor's door. Yeah, help. Yeah. They're going to, hey, you're, you might have fallen down with me. What are we going to do here? Yeah, when you're out in the middle of nowhere, though. Right. You, you got nothing to work with. So, I'm going to name these guys off real, here real quick. So, I mentioned that there's eight or nine students. Yes. So, uh, another guy ends up joining them, and they lose one of the students uh, before all this happens, before anything happens. Sure. Does He just decides, like, that. He was feeling it, he's so done. hot, so he actually turned around. Mm. Um, but Igor Dyatlov, Yuri Doroshenko, Ludmila Dubinina. Yes. Yuri Krivonyshenko, Alexander Kolevatov, uh, Zaneda Kolmogrova, Rustam Lobodin, Nikolai Thibu Brignol, uh, Simon Zolotaryov. And he was actually one that joined up, and he was a nice. World War II vet. Badass. So he was older than all these students. Nice. They were nice. all college students, but very experienced hiker, all that stuff. I mean, he survived, right? you know, combat during. And he was, you know, in the Russian front. Yeah. So, I mean. Which was some. A lot of, lot of stuff. And then uh, Yuri Yudin. He was the guy that turned back. He wasn't nice. feeling so, okay. so hot. But so we got eight guys, two girls. So what happened here? Why are we talking about this? Yeah, what did happen? We didn't just, people didn't just tune in to listen. Maybe sometimes people tune in to listen to us pronounce things not in our native tongue. Right, yeah. But there's another reason why they tune in, and it's probably about what's coming. So something happened. Things went poorly. (laughs) I feel that might... Did they see something strange? I feel that may be an understatement. Yeah, (laughs) it probably is. No, I like that, though. So... The diaries and cameras found around their last campsite made it possible to track the group's route right up into the last day. Oh, no. The last day is so ominous. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So on what would have been January 31st, the group arrived at the edge of a highland area and began to prepare for climbing. On the 1st the Febu- or first of February, the yeah. hikers started to move through that pass, and it seems from what the diaries say, that they kind of planned to get over the pass and make camp for the next night on the opposite side. But because of poor weather conditions and snow and poor visibility, they lost direction and deviated west up towards the top of... This is what it translates to in English. Good. This is before this happened. This is just the name of the pass. This is just the name. Okay. Dead Mountain. God damn it. <laughs> There's no beating on the bush there. No. There's no bush. It's a dead mountain. It's a dead mountain. And they say it was named that because of dead the lack people? of game oh. on it. Okay. That's, yeah. Which, that's suspicious enough. Why isn't shit living there? Yeah. Okay. Well, they realized their mistake and they set up camp on the uh, slope of the mountain rather than move the mile downhill to a forested area, which would have offered some shelter from the snowstorm. Can you imagine that whoops, though? Like, whoops. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's, that's uh, bad. Oh, shit. Yeah, so the guy that turned back uh, when asked about this years later, the, they, I guess, Igor Dyatlov was planning on doing another trek at some point where it was going to be a lot of open 
area camping. Okay. And he thinks he maybe tried to use this as a test. Okay. Or just kind of like practice for it and all that stuff. Uh, he also hypothesized that he might have decided to stay uh, just because they didn't want to lose forward progress and, sure. in what could be a bad snowfall. But uh, what what really happened is still a giant mystery. And it's one of the craziest unsolved mysteries that I've ever heard of here. But uh, all we really know is that all of Dyatlov's group died on Dead Mountain. Oh, jeez. Let's get into some weird stuff. Yes. All Please right. do. So, after uh, missing their return window by yeah. a few days, sure, family and friends begin to worry. Uh, so, when you go on a trek like this, you have an itinerary where you try to stick to it in case something happens, you know? Right. So, people know to come looking for you. You got it planned out, and maybe they might know where to come find you. Mm-hmm. Makes like, sense. if you got injured, uh, you couldn't get it, they'll have a rough idea of where to look for you. Sure. So, a search party went in search of the group. Uh-huh. And... Uh, they found uh, five bodies. Oh, my God. Yeah. So five, though. How many was your total? Nine. Nine. Got it. A medical examination found no injuries that might have led to their deaths. And it was eventually uh, concluded that they had all died of hypothermia. And we'll get to that a little bit more in a sec here. Sure. So where the weird stuff uh, jumps out at you is something something strange happened here the their tent was determined to have been cut open from the inside and all of their stuff is still in it oh no i don't like that at all from what everything that could be gathered they appeared to have left the tent on their own on their own volition and what seemed like in a wild hurry uh zola type Zlotaryov yeah. fled the camp with his camera, but not his gear. Uh, Rustam Slobodin and Igor Dyatlov with Zina Kalmogrova seem to have died uh, in a manner that indicated they were trying to get back to the tent. Uh, Slobodan, Slobodin, yeah, Slobodan Works. had a small crack in his skull, but uh, they didn't believe it was a cause of death. It was It was not what killed him. Um, so these hikers, experienced hikers, were in various stages of undress. One was in his underwear. That's a stage. That's definitely a stage. So pretty, pretty bizarre. Um, the one way they tried to explain this is, I guess... In some severe hypothermia in cases, there's what's known as paradoxical undressing. Oh, okay. It's kind of where you're not doing good. So your body feels like it's on fire almost. Yes. And 
So that's where the paradox comes in. Right. You're actually freezing to death. You're so cold, you feel hot. Yeah, so you start stripping off your clothes because you're just losing it at this point. So that's kind of what they were thinking. Like, maybe it's something like this, but... Right, and and like a four loco didn't exist back then, so they weren't doing that. No. Getting naked and running to the woods. Right, yeah, okay, no. Okay, thank God for that, because that would be tragic. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I know anybody who may have tried to do that. I'm not saying he's on this podcast. I'm just saying. Yeah. This is something entirely different. That's completely different. And way more scarier. Um, yeah. I'm just looking at, uh, there it is. Okay. So, uh, that was all they found on the first kind of go at it. And there was a few goes for it. Like they were trying to find everybody at this point. It's May. So, okay. Things aren't looking good. No. Uh, after some of the snow thawed and they found four more bodies and this kind of really changed things like so um, three three of the hikers had fatal injuries uh the boo brignoles had major skull damage and both dubinini dubinina yes and zola terioff yes had major it. chest fractures and according to a doctor that investigated the bodies the force required to cause such damage would have been extremely high. Comparable to the force of a car crash. All right. Uh, the bodies also had no external wounds associated with the bone fractures. Um, however, Dubinina was missing her tongue, eyes, part of her lips... And a fragment of skull bone. The fuck? What the hell is this? It just falls in my goddamn lap right now. She, yeah. She also had a... Uh, her hands were torn up. Duh! Like, torn to shreds. She also, on the autopsy, indicated that she had blood in her stomach, which is an indication that she would have been alive when her tongue was oh. torn out. Oh. Cool. So, yeah. Um... A lot of these guys, they say the official cause of death is hypothermia. But then there's a couple fatal skull injuries. Oh, and uh, Samen Zolotaryov, his eyes were also missing. Oh, why do those got to go? What's up with the eyes? I don't, I don't know. So, that's some pretty weird stuff. Yeah, it's a little weird. Um, so she, her tongue was gone. And she had blood in her stomach. Yeah. So the temperature was very low around the time that this would have happened. Yeah. Uh, and there were other hikers not close by, but uh-huh. you know, in within the area of a storm system. Sure. So they figured out that the weather was between negative thirteen and negative twenty-two oh. Fahrenheit, and with the snow. Um, the dead were only partially dressed. Some of them had only one shoe. Others had no shoes or wore only socks. Some of them were found wrapped in like bits of clothing from what seemed to have been taken off of the dead. So ultimately though, six of the group members are 
died of therm- hypothermia. Yes. Three of fatal injuries. Yes. There were no indications of other people uh, on Dead Mountain. The tent had been ripped open from within. The victims had died six to eight hours after their last meal. Ugh. Traces from the camp showed that group members left the campsite on foot. Here's a weird one. Yes. High levels of radiation on one of the victims' clothing. Okay, now where did that come from? <laughs> what is that? Uh, so they also thought maybe there's a indigenous tribe called the Mansi people. And they're made of radiation? No. Okay. But they're... This couldn't have been... None of these blows could have been caused by a human being. Okay. Because... Too much power? Yeah. Um, yeah. The time, the verdict in 1959... Yeah. They said that the group members had all died because of a compelling natural force. And then the files were sent to a secret archive. Great. Very specific and not sketchy at all. The region was then closed to expeditions and hikers for three years. Normal. Nothing unusual about this at all. Great. But none of those are what interests me right now. I don't even right know. Right now, I want to say. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because there is a whole lot of stuff here. Yes. Uh, I want to bring up one point. Bring it up. Give me it. One of the photos that was taken during this trip. Oh, they took a photo. Some guy had a camera. Is a silhouette of a man? No, it's not. Possibly. No details can be made out of the thing stepping out from behind a tree. It's a thing behind a tree. You want to see it? Yes, I do. Where'd it go? I had it right here. Oh, I just closed it. (laughs) (laughs) It'll get open. It's fine. Yeah. It's the beauty of this beautiful thing we 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 have called the internet. All right, so. What the hell is that? <laughs> uh-huh. So, could it be a man? That looks like a man. Could be a man in a snowsuit or something. I mean. It's something. It's standing upright. It's a humanoid figure. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely a humanoid. It's a hominid. He's got two legs, two arms. He's got a whole torso thing connecting them all together in a head. Yeah. And he looks suspiciously, suspiciously like just like a black, like a like a shape. He's a shape. Yeah. There's no features you can distinguish at all except for the fact that it may resemble a man. So it could be a man. But combined with a letter found amongst the wreckage of the camp, it so, makes you wonder, could it have been a Yeti? Oh, my God. Is it a Yeti? Why is there a letter there? So what was the letter doing? The letter supposedly said, and now we know the Yeti lives or something along those lines. Oh my god. Some some people say that it was just a like almost a joke the way it was written and it's Russian. I don't know. I don't know how to translate that. Do, do I they, can't. Do they have humor either though? Yeah. I didn't think they were very humorful people. Yeah, I don't know. Didn't know if they didn't know if the Russians brought the funny. Especially well maybe they do on their deathbed being chased by a yeti. Yeah, and there there is the last picture taken on this. It doesn't look like that's not the last picture. Sure. But there is one last picture and it's just like a bright light with like a black shape or maybe like it's hard to tell what it is, but it's sure. it's probably something that was taken in a panic. Cause these guys something was out there. Yeah, it seems like something was out there, and that image is very unsettling. Yeah. 
But yeah, something scared the hell out of these people that they just went tearing off out of their tent and running through the night in a snowstorm on top of Dead Mountain. Oh my God, can you imagine doing that? I mean, for a group of experienced hikers, that's got to be something. Right, because you think outrageous. That, you think they'd hear an animal and be like, "Ah, I know this. Don't worry about it. I know what that is." Or, but the fact that it's a dead mountain means there's not a lot of animals out there, anyways. Right. No, it's uh, that's kind of the whole reason behind the name. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So this, if you want to look into more of it, because you could, we could easily do a whole episode on this. Sure. And I mean, we could still i'm sure we are but uh it's called the dietlov pass incident so they named it after igor dietlov dietlov pass incident got it yeah but today we're going to talk about some cryptids we're going to talk about the yeti let's do it so a yeti also known as the abominable snowman yes or uh snow man now like it's not like your normal snowman. You know, like snowman, like snowman. Yeah. Or uh, mette, which translates as bear man. Oh, God. Yeah. So it is a legendary ape-like monster said to live in the Himalayan mountains. It is also reported to live all across Asia in possibly different species or versions, uh, much like Bigfoot over here in the States. You know, we got... You got Bigfoot. Sure. Sasquatch. Yeah. But then you got like all sorts of spinoffs from there. Skunk ape. Yeah. Ass. Yeah. So that's kind of the same thing. So most, but not all accounts say it has a white fur. Okay. Some say it's kind of a matted brown. Dingy kind of. Just kind of goes all over the place. Just like over here with our Bigfoots. Sure. You know, there are, is skunk ape the species? Is that what they're? I don't know. I think it's just like skunk apes tend to, I don't know, be more swampy. Or is yeah? Is it, isn't that the skunk ape is down south? It's almost regional. Like so it's like the swampy. yetis. The yetis are in the snow. Uh huh. Yeah. And the skunk apes are down in the swamps, and then you have like the sasquatches that just kind of are in between. Yeah, or in the woods or whatever. And like like I said, ass like abominable swamp slobs. It's just like a. I mean, it's a term that's just kind of, I would say that just includes like skunk apes and like whatever else they find in the goddamn swamp. So that's not very, you know, it doesn't really help in classifying these things. Right. But a lot of those names I think are like geographical, like where is it found? Yeah, so that's where uh, the Yeti seems to be all across Asia, Russia, um, China, yeah, Mongolia, India, Himalayans, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I'm going to read you an, an account of a uh, Yeti encounter. Let's do it. So, this was uh, from the McNeely Cronin Expedition, uh, which was a biological survey conducted in Nepal. Um. So these are all biologists, scientists, doc, all right, well-respected people. They got their shit together. They're there for a certain purpose, and I doubt it was to find a yeti. But we're gonna go. I'll just read this to you. Yeah, go for it. On the seventeenth, accompanied by two Sherpa assistants, Howard and I emerged on a high alpine ridge connecting to Kanganala. 
The weather was beautiful with a clear sky and warm sun. Hmm. The icy summit of Makalu dominated the horizon to the northwest. In the late afternoon, we discovered a depression in the ridge at about 12,000 feet, a flat place with firm snow that would be suitable for camp. Wow, I read that sentence very poorly. You're right. You get the gist of it, though. Yeah, you do. The area was small, less than half an acre, a completely clear snowfield unmarked by animal prints. The slopes on the side of the ridge were precipitous, falling several thousand feet to the Bayron River on the north and the Kasua River on the south. We made camp, pitching two light tents, had dinner around an open fire, and retired just after dark. The evening was calm. Shortly before dawn the next morning, Howard climbed out of our tent. Immediately, he called excitedly. There, beside the trad we had made our t- had made to our tents, was a new set of footprints. While we were sleeping, a creature had approached our camp, walked directly between our tents. The Sherpas identified the tracks without question as Yeti prints. Oh Jesus. Oh, yeah. My, oh, my God. Without question. I like that part. There was no doubt because there was without question. Yeah, that's what these are. Well, this is like the heart of Yeti country is in the whole Himalayans. It's, God, I love that Yeti country is a thing. Yeah. If if we were to say what specifically is a Yeti, it would be the big, you know, ape-like beast that is known to the Himalayas. Yes. And it just kind of spreads out from there. Sure. Um, but yeah, without question, Yeti Prince. We, without question, were stunned. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't say. We immediately made a full photographic record of the prints before the sun touched them. Like the conditions Shipton had encountered, the surface cons- consisted of crystalline snow, excellent for displaying the prints. These conditions were localized to our camp area and were the result of the effects produced on the depression by the sun and winds of earlier days. The prints were clearest in the middle of the depression, directly beside our trail, where some 10 to 15 prints, both left and right feet, revealed the details of the toes and general morphology of the creature's foot. Some of the right footprints were actually on our previous trail, making them difficult to interpret. Other prints of the right foot were distinct. The prints measured approximately nine inches long by four and three quarters inches wide. Oh, great. The stride between the strider distance between individual prints was surprisingly short, often less than one foot, and it appeared that the creature had used a slow, cautious walk along this section. Was he sneaking? Yeah, he was. You think he was sneaking through the tents? He was being a little sneaker. Yeah, he's like tiptoeing. He didn't want to. He's like, oh, I'm another sleeping. He's like, oh, shit, my house is this way. I've been out drinking all night. Oh my God! Can you imagine exactly? Imagine being this creature trying to imagine. Well, just imagine your house if you try to walk back, and all of a sudden there's these people camped out on like your sidewalk, <laughs> yeah. like up your back porch. Like, oh shit! But you don't want to be rude, right? You don't and, like, want to wake them up. And you've been up to some bad shit yourself. So you're like, I don't want anybody to catch me being mm-hmm. totally wasted out of my goddamn mind. Yeah. So tip, tip, tip. You bump it. Oh shit! And then you stumble. So like he smears some of the. And then was he trying to walk in their footprints? Like no one will notice I was here. Yeah. Oh geez. But he was drunk, so he's only getting halfway right. in their he's footprints. Like, oh, my foot's and then halfway through, he's like, my foot's so fucking big, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, who he's then he's like, oh, I don't give a shit. So like the half, <laughs> the last half's real sloppy. Mm-hmm. He's like, I just want to get to bed. I got work tomorrow. 
ah, oh, this is not what I wanted. I shouldn't have even been this drunk, but we started doing shots and next thing you know. Yeah. Next thing you know, there's people in my yard. Yeah. <laughs> are they all right? Have they been drinking? Do they want a beer? Ah, I should <laughs> just go to bed. All right. Well, I lost my spot. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's what happened. Yeah, just like the drunken Yeti. Okay. There it is. The uh, prince showed a broad, opposable hallux, an asymmetrical arrangement of the toes, and a wide, rounded heel. I don't know what that means. I, To be fair, I don't read... I mean, maybe... I mean, this is our new hobby, so maybe I should read more descriptions of footprints in the ground. I mean, opposable thumbs are like what we got, right? So what's an opposable hallux? I'm going to assume he's got thumbs on his feet. Let's say that. I'm assuming it's nothing sexual. Yeah. I don't know about his opposable hallux if it's something else. These features were present in all prints made on firm snow. Most impressively, their close resemblance to Shipton's prints was unmistakable. We then proceeded to explore the rest of the trail left by the creature... By the direction of the toes on the... Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I determined that the creature had come up the north slope because the north slope received less sun. It was covered by very deep snow, and the tracks consisted of large punch holes in the snow, revealing little detail. Now, that's revealing that he was real drunk. Yeah. He was real drunk. He was punching that snow like he was pissed. Just stomping the snow. Like, oh, my God. I descended several hundred yards, but the heavy snow made walking impossible, and I was forced to cling to the slope with my hands. The creature must have been exceptionally strong to ascend the slope in these conditions. From a vantage point, I could look down the trail, which continued to the bottom of the valley in a direction generally perpendicular to the slope. But there seemed little advantage in climbing farther down. And I returned to the top of the ridge. From our camp, the tracks continued out onto the south slope. But here the increased exposure to the sun had melted most of the snow, and there were bare patches of rock and alpine scrub, which made following the trail extremely difficult. We walked farther up the ridge towards Kong Ma La to get a view of the trail above and discovered what appeared to be prints of some the same creature coming back onto the top of the ridge. They crossed back and forth several times. Here the ridge was covered with low bushes, which enabled deeper snow to accumulate, and again the footprints were confused punch holes. The trail then went back to down the south slope and attempted to follow, but then lost the prints on the bare rock and scrub. The slope was extremely steep, and searching for the prints was arduous and dangerous. We realized that whatever the creature had made them was far stronger than any of us. Yeah, sounds like it. That's a good assumption. Yeah, so that is from... uh, The... uh, Yeti, not a snowman, by McNeely. Gotcha. Yeah, Yeti, not a snowman, and he's punching holes in the snow to climb up because it's so steep, just to get a good grip. Yeah. So this is a group of bio- biologists, you know. Yeah. And you can tell just by his account, they tried to do their due diligence. Absolutely. They tried tracking this thing. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Well, when your guide's like, it's absolutely a Yeti, and you're like. Are like okay, yeah, sure, okay, sure, but bud. but can let's maybe we should look at this from the perspective we're going to be bringing to this this proverbial table in the middle of you know this snow covered mountain. Yeah, maybe it's what is it a bear? You should and just a, like like imagine them, um, like doing all the measurements and checking it out as the, the scouts or like their guides are just back there like I don't like it's a yeti we told you. 
Like, get over it. This is what it is. Yeah, it's just a Yeti. Yeah, just we see these things all the time. I don't know what you're trying to do. Be professional? I just, what's more professional? I'm the guide. This is where I live. This is a, it's a goddamn Yeti. So I'm looking it up right now. An opposable hallux. Yes. Is, uh, the fully abducted hallux. Okay, that's not what I want. The opposable hallux. Okay. Is, like, more like a monkey foot. Than ours. Okay. Ours is called a non-opposable hallux. That's her big toe. Oh, I'm gonna call my big toe that from now on. Yeah. I, I just, my non-opposable hallux. I just stubbed my non-opposable hallux in the <laughs> goddamn cupboard. Uh-huh. How that hurts. Yeah. So that's kind of what I figured. Okay. Um. We but guessed, yeah. So it had. We guessed good. Yeah. We do smart stuff sometimes. <laughs> we, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We pulled that one out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So they tracked it though. I mean. It's a pretty big footprint. Right, and if it's in the snow, it's leaving them. Right. And I like that they were excited about it, too. The one guy walks out of his tent in the morning. He's like, whoa, what's this? Come check this shit out. Hey, Carl. Oh, it's definitely see? a Yeti. Oh, whoa, whoa. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, all right. Does that, do I need a translator? What do you mean by definitely? <laughs> what does that mean? No, definitely. I said mm-hmm. it in English. It's definitely. Oh, okay, well. What do you mean by let's let me measure? Let me. He pulls out his tape measure. It's like, no, man, it's just a Yeti. Mm hmm. So I have another account I was going to read. All right, do it. This one's shorter. That's all right. Because this is not a group of scientists, but there's no reason to doubt this guy from what I can tell. He seems reasonable. Let's see what he's got. Um, so this is a guy named Robert Hutchinson. And All right, Hutch, what do you got for me? He's near, near the border of Tibet. Hmm. We erected our tents about 250 meters above in the lee of a house-sized rock with a walled-in overhang used by herders as a shelter. A few nights later, I was in the rock overhang when startled by the sound of a large animal scampering down a rock corridor to my right, heading towards the lake. As there was no snow in the corridor, no tracks, nothing more for a couple of days until we discovered a set of tracks heading southwards from our campsite. Evidently, two animals made these tracks as they separated so the pair could work their way around different sides of a large rock about 200 meters from our tents, joining up again on the far side. Judging by the size of the imprints, the one animal was smaller than the other. And he's, uh, I guess this is better because I got pictures. Sure. Or I can show you. Yeah, I'll look. Where do you go? Here we go. So uh, you can look these up. They're Hutchinson prints. That's what they're called. So for the listeners, that's what you want to Google. They are unusual footprints. You do kind of see true. that uh, that thumbprint or thumb thingy, though. You know, his opposable hallux. Not oh yeah, I was gonna say non opposable. That's right, that's a human. But you're right, it's the opposable hallux. I had to keep that straight in my head too. Yeah. So yeah, they tracked that, I guess, and then they lost it. But there's two of them. Yeah. Breeding. Nice. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe one's a a youth. And one was elder, maybe. Yeah. Good father son. Could be. Or a an elder. An elder Yeti with his 
with his young side piece. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I mean, just throwing hypotheticals out there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, picture up where that barrier was at. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's where they're going again. <laughs> yeah, we got to go back. So. Our favorite band's playing. The U.S. government. Oh, no. Yeah. They do good stuff when they're involved. Has official guidelines on don't, how don't, to go no. about oh, hunting a Yeti. No, they don't. Yes, they no, do. No, they don't. Guys, no. It's through the Foreign Service Dispatch. Guys, no. Yeah, dispatch this whole idea. No, what are you guys doing? Yeah, so. Somebody sat down and wrote this? Oh, yeah. It was. On uh, our taxpayer dollars? It looks like it was in September 30th, 1958. I don't know. Can't read it. It's in like old typewriter. Okay, font. sure. I was hoping you were going to say like 1972. Like, yeah, of course it was. <laughs> yeah. Every time. There are pr- at present three regulations at- applicable to expedite. Expeditions searching for the Yeti in Nepal. Just why stop? These regulations are to be observed in addition to the 15 clauses as listed in mountaineering and scientific expeditions in Nepal. They are as follows. Royalty of RS-5000 India currency will will have to be paid to His Majesty Government of Nepal for a permit to carry out an expedition in search of a Yeti. Is that what the permit has to say? I'm looking for a Yeti. I guess so. <laughs> you can't just be like, I'm looking for a bear, wink, wink. Yeah. In case it, a Yeti is traced, it can be photographed or caught alive, but it must not be killed or shot except in an emergency arising out of self-defense. All photographs taken of the animal, the creature itself, if captured alive or dead, must be surrendered to the government of Nepal at the earliest time. News and reports Throwing light on the actual existence of the creature must be submitted to the government of Nepal as soon as they are available and must not in any way be given out to the press or reporters for publicity without the permission of the government of Nepal. For the ambassador, Ernest H. Fisk, counselor of embassy. It's an unclassified document, so obviously, because I haven't. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I... You can go hunt yetis. I guess that comes to about 77 bucks. That 5,000, whatever the Indian currency is. I think they just... Whoever was involved came up with a real cool racket to siphon money to go hunt yeti, but you can never talk about it. So then people will always keep coming because they want to find their own evidence. Yeah. But they can't legally give it to anyone to say, hey, I found a yeti. Yeah, because Nepal's like, uh-uh, those are our yetis. Yeah, you... They, you can oh, look at them. Right. You can know they exist for sure, 100%. But you can't prove it to anybody. No. It's your secret. Yeah. I, I guess that's... Maybe that's a way... Maybe I'm just going to flip the script on how I feel about this. Maybe that's for the best, because then you get, like, genuine people who don't want to make a money and make a, you know, make a money, make a buck off it. Or, like, mm-hmm. profit off it. They just want to know, like, satisfy their own curiosity. Like, is it real? Like, I got to know. And it's like, it is real. And when you register the permit, that's how they know you're in the country. That's how they know you're there. They know you're going out. So if you try and pull some shit, they will find you. I mean, I'd almost just pay 77 bucks just to have a piece of paper that says licensed <laughs> Yeti hunting expedition. <laughs> like, I mean, that's true. I mean, oh, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of appeal to this. And I'm glad that it's $77. Yeah. This very affordable amount of money to go hunt a Yeti. 
I guess they assume you're if you're you know an outsider, you're paying the travel expenses anyways. Yeah, you're paying a lot to get over here. Get probably, the gear, and you probably have to have a lot of gear. Paying a guide, so like yeah, just the government's like yeah, you 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 might have been coming here anyways, so just give us like seventy seven bucks. Yeah, we'll call it even. Yeah, and then oh, and if you you know give this to anyone, what do you do if you don't follow their rules? Does it say what? Do we know what happens if you don't obey their guidelines? Didn't say. Probably because you just get shot. Probably. I mean, I don't know. What did it say? Like a king of Nepal? Kings right. normally just kind of do whatever they want. I don't know how that works over there. Is but. there, a, is there a, um, you know, Nepal, um, like Yeti guard? Like these elite? Maybe the guards are Yetis. Oh, my God. So they, yeah. So they walk up to you. If you've taken their picture, they're like... Give me, the, give me the film. Yep. But nowadays with the digital, they got to block your signals, right? There's got to be signal blockers to block Wi-Fi and block the internet and stuff. Yep. Just to make sure you can't send it out immediately. Yeah. I bet there is. Like, that's not even me being crazy. That's just, no, right? No, that's definitely a thing. Something to block it out. Or it's just so remote, there's no satellites up there to get it. Yeah, Some maybe that's of, why they're up in the in the mountains. Yeah, there's no signal. You, yeah, can't, you can't get any service up here. Can't and, take pictures. God, what a perfect hiding spot, the mountains, because in the... You can't in, tweet it out. You can't tweet out your Yeti. Can't tag, can't tag that Yeti in uh, Instagram. No, what if you took a picture of a Yeti and, like, the facial recognition software identified him and gave him a name? Like, oh, it's Jeff. <laughs> Whoa, Jeff's Tags on... Tags him on his Facebook Jeff's page on and Facebook? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeff's on Facebook? Oh, he's friends with Kevin. And Jeff's like, dang, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Jeff's like, no, nah, somebody, who, where, so who saw me? So he's like, ah, oh, he calls his guys in the government, or he is the guard. We said he's yeah. the guard. So he is in the government. He's like, oh, no, you didn't. Mm-hmm. Nope. He caught him and Kevin playing cards. Oh, he died trying to climb Everest. Whoops. <laughs> oh, he froze to death. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's, he, there's blood in his stomach. He's missing his tongue. Oh, his eyes. Oh, well, I don't know what happened. Do Yeti is just like the Three Stooges? Yeah. And he's like, ah, I got your nose, and pokes his eyes out, <laughs> but like pokes him out. <laughs> yeah. Then as he screams, he grips out his tongue, and the blood goes down his mouth, and he take, and then Yeti takes off all his clothes and leaves him out in the, in the yeah. snow. Yeah, good luck with your camping trip. Yeah, he's like, good luck with your hypothermia. And the guy's like, gurgling. Yeah. And then he just. Huh, no. And then he Probably pa- not. Then the Yeti pounds a beer. Yeah. Like, we got him drinking beer. I don't know what they drink in Nepal, but. Probably beer. It's probably some kind of beer. Yeah, I mean something. What would like? I just wonder, like ge- geographically, alcohol gets specific names. What would be an alcohol brewed in and around Nepal? Well, in Indiana Jones, weren't they in Nepal? What did you? They're drinking whiskey in the the first one. That seems right. Yeah, when the guy shows up and he burns his hand on the. Th- yes. Okay, that sounds right. Yeah. All right. So Nepal whiskey. Oh man, something that big just pounded whiskey keeps Oof. it warm. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Get you so pissed, you climb up your you climb up to your house by punching holes in the snow. Tiptoe through some uh, some tents that are blocking your way. Yeah, with your opposable horror crux. What was it called? That's not what it was. That's Harry Potter. <laughs> 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 the opposable hallux. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the opposable hallux. Just laughing about body part names. Real mature. So. Yeah. April 9th, 2019. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, God. The Indian Army tweeted pictures of evidence of a Yeti. They did. I, I saw those. Did you? <laughs> I, I was did wondering see those. if you saw them. I did see those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so recently they uh they, God, they posted they, on the Indian Army's official Twitter. That's what gets me. Like, hey, we found Yeti tracks. Oh my god. And I'm looking at them right now. They look like big footprints. Mm-hmm. But when you read how big they measure, it's like, holy shit. What are those measurements? 32-inch footprint. Get out of town. That's what it says. Get out of life. Yeah. That sounds more like a giant to me. That sounds... Because, I mean... 32-inch? Whereas, do you got a ruler? I need to look at this right now. 32 inches. I mean, that's three feet. Or just shy of three feet. Yeah, I can do. That. I can actually do that in my head. Okay. So that's big. That's not a bear? No. But that's what people are trying to say, that it is a bear. Yeah, well, what do you, you, you I, I had seen a thing, but was it the same? What did you see? Uh, there was some, some guy said that it was a bear and a bear cub, like, hopping in its That's what I think footprints. I read. Like, it was staggered. Yeah, it was yeah, just it's like. It's still kind of weird. But, like, the, yeah. So what are they trying to say? Like You'd the, think the Indian army, like, the army would, you know, not just tweet, like, hey, we found a Yeti. Well. And, oh, no, it's just a bear. <laughs> well, well, um. With information you have just given to me, I have a hypothesis. I think they're getting low on their on accumulating those individual purchases of permits for $77. They're like, hey, he's out here. Oh. <laughs> Time to buy a permit. You want to buy a permit, right? That could be. Like, yeah. No, it's a mu- like, just to like, because like we both. Just to boost the economy. Like we both, like we, because yeah, because then it gets the guides money. It gets the supplies you buy in the town's money. It gets. All sorts of things. They post that picture, and there's a financial gain in doing so. I mean, when maybe. I when I read that article, it was racking my brain. Well, but I mean, do you want to hear the official, like the yes. what the actual tweet was? So, yes. So it's got two pictures attached to it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, more than that, actually. But uh, two of like a trail and one of a close up footprint. Okay. But it said for the first time an. Hashtag Indian Army Mountaineering Expedition Team has sighted mysterious footprints of mythical beast Yeti, measuring 32 by 15 inches close to Makalu Base Camp on 9th of April 2019. The elusive snowman has only been sighted at Makalu Barren National Park in the past. So. Yeah. That was that was the actual tweet. Yeah. They just want their $77. But that's Nepal. Right. And this was... Maybe they're... I mean, they're in cahoots, probably. Like, where's... Yeah, I'd have to look at a map, I guess. I think Nepal is just at the top of India, if I remember correctly. Is that close to where that... Um, I mean, I got the internet right here. I, I, I guess we can just... I guess. We can pull up a map, just to put it into perspective. Listening along... I just like to assume I'm right. Pull so. up a map. Well, that's... I mean, that's a good way to go through life. Yeah. Whenever, it is. No, I'm right. Yeah, it is. No, you sure? No, I am. It's uh just north west of uh, India, uh, right south of China. So that's right in between. And what was is that um, near the uh, the mountain range? Those uh, the Indian Army was around. How close to that is that? So it's Nepal. It's all in a bunch of different languages, but I said Kanpur National Forest, right? I think so. So that looks like it's about. Is there no scale? I mean, it's not too far, relatively. 
But same, like it's on the opposite side of anything. Uh, it's about a hundred miles. It looks like that's doable. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure every every country's got to have a Yeti protocol. Yeah. What happens if he uh, shows up? Bigfoot's here. Oh. Oh, hello. Oh well, I guess invite him in. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What do you do? Yeah, who likes live music and beer? Yeah. Come on in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the uh, Yeti stuff. Uh, there's a bunch of other Yeti stuff we could get into. But God. the uh, the Love Pass incident, that's a whole other thing to get yeah, into, you, too. You know what you did? You broke that open in my brain. Yeah, Cause good now luck I'm... with that. That is... Whew, that's a big one. Yeah. I like that it was just tossed at me. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, so... So, part of the reason I got onto the Dyatlov Pass when I yes. was looking at this was because yes. there is apparently a wildly terrible Discovery Channel, uh, like, false documentary about what? the Dyatlov Pass oh my and how Lord. it was most definitely a Yeti. So, they, they kind of force it in there. So, when I searched Yeti, because I was just like, I want to do a cryptid this time. Yes. And, like, I don't want to do Bigfoot because, you know, Bigfoot's kind of overdone, I think. I feel like when we do Big Feet, we do, like, it's because we, in the past, we've, I mean, I don't even like Bigfoot that much. I've done a lot of Bigfoot talk. I know. And that's why I was like, I don't want to do Bigfoot, but we'll maybe touch closer. Yes. So I was like, let's go, let's go do a Yeti. And then, like, I started looking into that and I was yeah. like, and I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do a Yeti. And then I saw that, yeah, Love Pass incident. And I started reading that and I was like, what is this? So I, mean, I still don't. I mean, I guess no one knows. Well, someone knows. I think they're in the Russian government. Yeah, there's a lot of theories about that, and you can. I mean, we can do an episode on that sometime in the future if we want. But in the meantime, you're more than welcome to read about it. Yes, you. I say you when I'm talking to you, but I mean right. everybody. Everybody listening, right? Yeah. yeah, of course. Man, what if? What if they found whatever did that, and like. And he joined the KGB. Oh, I left out some details too. Oh, go ahead. That I just remembered I left out because it, it. it made it even weirder. Let's close it out. So those bodies, the four that were found later. Yes. Um, with the broken, like crushed chest. Yes. Blown up head. Yes. Eyes missing, tongue ripped out. Yeah, they're real good ones. Uh, they were found um, underneath a tree. They had a makeshift campfire there and the tree above them had branches broken. Oh, no. Up to, like, five meters above them. So, like, just something fell out of the tree. Something got thrown up in the tree. Was it, like, whipping bodies up there? Was I don't it know. swelling its arms? And, I, and one of them was found with his uh, diary and pen, like, in hand. Because you couldn't... That was the only way. You couldn't, like, leave, like, a something on your phone to be found back then. Yeah, you can't, like, send it, like, send text, send text. It's, like, oh. it's like, oh, shit. And then you it's just like, gotta handwrite it. Dear Martha, like a Civil War documentary, Dear Martha, mm-hmm. the Yeti is killing us all. Yeah, so Please a, lot, find... a lot of weird stuff. Maybe it was a Yeti. Yeah. What if what if Russia found that thing, and that thing's, like, now behind a computer hacking elections? I don't know. This <laughs> <laughs> is throwing, oh. throwing that in there. Who knows? He quit drinking out in the mountains yeah, so like, much, and he's like, "I gotta get a desk job." Yeah, he's like, "Hey, comrade, you want to ruin the Americans? <laughs> All right." Yeah. Okay. You got beer? Yeah. They keep trying to come here and take pictures with me. I'm sick of those guys. 
Yeah, I want to destroy their entire civilization. Like, oh no. Yeah. Well, you hold a mean grudge, potential scary as Yeti, or if it has, because reading that stuff to me it sounds like something with like psychic powers, or you know what I mean, like something <laughs> with like telekinetic power. Yeah, there's a lot. There, you'll find a lot oh. of good things what about if, that one. What if something had telekinetic powers, and like you said, they exit the tents? Telekinetic Yeti. So what if he's not banned? Uh, who knows? Is it? I think so. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. All right. Well, what if something like that used the energy and it was like sucking them out of the tents? Like if it was dry, like doing like Magneto shit, like pulling them towards that would that would be they'd be ripped out of the tent. Yeah, tele- telekinetic Yeti is a a band. Well, this podcast is brought to you by Bush Heavy and Telekinetic Yeti. Yeah, look them up. Maybe, maybe that's where they got their band name. Maybe oh, maybe, they, maybe they went down this rabbit hole and they were like, oh, Dyatlov passed. They had this. It had to be a telekinetic <laughs> Yeti. My least favorite X-Man. <laughs> the Telekinetic Yeti. Uh, well, shout out to those guys. Yeah, Telekinetic Yeti. I've never listened to you, but I, I've heard of you. That's positive. That's good. And I, I'll drink Bush and listen to you soon. Okay, not just any Bush, though. No, Bush heavy. Bush heavy. <laughs> All right. All right, let's wrap this one up. All right, well, yeah, well, this is, uh, yeah, well, you've been listening. This is Weird and Feared. This is Weird and Feared. I am Nick. I'm Zach. We're gonna we're gonna stay spooky. Yeah, we're gonna get real spooky. And if you would, yeah, but you can follow us on the Instagram at Weird and Feared. If you have any uh, monsters or topics you want us to talk about, you can email us at Weird and Feared Podcast at gmail dot com. And this is an epiphany. We haven't been asking people to do this, but you can if you want. It helps the show. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, oh yeah, that, that helps would pump help us a lot. up. Yeah. yeah. Helps uh, get it up there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, do that and just like spread the word. Tell people, yeah, whoever you know who may um, want to indulge in this madness with us. Yeah. And uh, we've also had some interest in getting a Patreon started. So we're kicking around that. Yeah. That... Some ideas. If you guys got any ideas for us to do, like we could, we'd like to provide some incentive to do that because we like talking about this shit either way. So. Yeah, so anything so you So we're might... trying to come up with some ideas, and if you got ideas, throw them at us. Yeah, absolutely. Whip them up here. Mm-hmm. So we'll S- maybe get that up and running soon, too. Yeah, send it to us like a Yeti punching a snow wall. Yeah. That's the kind of energy I like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeti punching a snow wall. But yeah, it's weird and fear. Drunken so you... Yetis. Ah, uh, drunken Yetis. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. Yeah. That's it. But uh, we, what we do now, man, you just stay spooky, all right? Yeah, stay spooky. Stay spooky. Yeah. Later. <laughs>